Jesus, we thank you. Your word says to us, where two or three are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst. And Lord, we've gathered today here in this place in your name. Thank you, you're in this place. You're the one that loves us so unconditionally. You're the one that never separates yourself from us. You're always there. You never forsake us. You never ever leave us. What more could we ask for, Jesus? We are completely secure in your love. And Lord, as your people, as your people, we want to say that we love you. We've sung our songs today with our hearts open wide, wanting just to express through song our love for you. We've raised our praises. We've worshipped you. We've prayed and thanked you and at times shouted so joyfully because, Lord, you are everything to us. And we really do, really do love you, Lord. And all God's people said, come on, why don't you give him another shout of praise? You can be seated. And let's thank our musicians this morning. What's all this ash doing on the stage here? Looks like the ashes of an old life that doesn't exist anymore. God is so good. All the time, you know, he gives us pictures and illustrations just like that to help us on our way, to take us to that new place that he has for us. Because I tell you now, he, he didn't die on a cross. Jesus did not die on a cross for us to have a deficient, substandard life. He died on the cross so that we might have life and life more abundantly. He really did. Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 10, that's where it records this statement that Jesus made for all of us. He said, the devil has come to steal, kill, and destroy life. He said, but I have come that you might have life in all of its fullness, in all of its wonderful abundance. And you know, there are times in my life, as I'm sure there have been in yours, where life has not been so abundant. Life may have been a struggle and life may have been hard. And, and, and today you might have even come into this place and your, life, your life's message may be way, way far different to what Jesus has spoken. I've come that you might have life and life more, in, more abundantly from the inside out like a river coming out of you continually. And your life message may be far, far away from that. But don't let go of it, church of God. Don't let go of it, believer. Because I tell you something now, when he said and declared, I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly, life more abundantly is what you're going to have. It really is. And I tell you something, things have happened here in this place this morning in our hearts through what the Holy Spirit has seeded and shown us quite visually. And like, like Dan said, that was a word from God that lined up perfectly 
with what the Holy Spirit also said in that simple illustration. He makes all things beautiful in its time. Maybe areas in all of our lives at this present moment that's not so beautiful, that's a little bit out of shape and a little bit ugly and still tarnished by an old life that we once had. But just give it a bit of time. Give it a little bit of time because by the time God's finished with that area of your life, it's going to be beautiful. It really is. So that was wonderful just to see how the Holy Spirit dovetails. We didn't talk. Just dovetails the word together so that we can all be enriched by it. Isn't he good to us? Isn't he so good? He really, really is. Well, Pastor Ray last week, awesome. And uh, it was a real revelation for me. Some of, the, some of the things that Pastor Ray said, I mean, the word was just off the chart. But there were some things about myself that I never knew. Like when he said, you know, when I was born, the midwife slapped my mother because I was so ugly. I mean, that was a revelation for me. And then when I was put in a black incubator so I wouldn't be on public show. I mean, do you know what? When he said that, I started to feel freedom come into my life. I, I didn't know that about myself. My mother had never told me about it. And I began to understand why I am like I am. It goes all the way back to birth. But a wonderful, wonderful um, time last Sunday. Incredible. Really, really great, rich word. If you weren't here, you've got to listen to it. Three messages. Absolutely fantastic. Loved it all. And then Wednesday night, we had Hillsong London here doing their conference tour. And that was an incredible night. If you weren't here, do you know what? It was a great, great night. And do you know what I really loved? Right? I loved, obviously, the night and the, the music and, and what Dan uh, preached on. Exceptional communicator. Absolutely brilliant. But you know what I really loved as well? Just seeing this room filled with people. And I thought, wow. So that's what it looks like. That's what it looks like when the tiered seat is full. That's what it looks like when it's busy and bustling and everybody's arriving early, expectant and ready for it and leaning in. That's what it looks like. And um, I was just excited because I came away from that thinking, do you know what? It's great to, to have a very clear visual of what God wants to do and where God wants to take us as his family in the future. I really do believe that he's going to fill this place. Not for numbers and not just to occupy empty seats, but because... The local church is the answer for the needy world around us. The local church is a city on a hill, brightly shining in a dark place to a hopeless world, sending a message out of invitation. Hey, we're here. The doors are open. Come on in. Everybody's welcome. Come as you are. You haven't got to change yourself before you get here. There's no conditions. There's no, you know, preconditions or rules or regulations. Just come on in. Get met by the Savior and you'll find your life transformed. The church is a glorious place, a wonderful place, a place of hope, a city on a hill. And I was just excited just to see that 
to see that moment where the church, this room was filled, hearing many voices sing his praise. And don't get me wrong, I'm not dissatisfied with where we are. Loving it. We're on a journey together. There's no pressure, there's no demand, there's no drive. But let's just always keep our hearts open to those who around us, each and every one of us, whereby we might use our life as a bridge for them to come over into the house of God, the feast that God has set for his people and the world about us. Let's always just be aware of those opportunities whereby we can reach people, plant seed in their heart, minister to them out and about in the lives that we live. You'd be surprised of what God can do through you. Remember, hold your head up high. Remember, your past has gone. All things have become new for you. You're an ambassador of the King now. You're a Christ follower. There's a new message in your mouth. And if he can do that for you and me, he can do that for, for many. Do you know the Holy Spirit? I've got to preach in a minute, right? But, um, you know, the Holy Spirit just um, a few weeks ago, just whispered to me, he said, you need to start carrying Bibles in your coat. I think it was stirred up by Caroline Kinnear. Well, I've got Gideon Bibles that I often carry in my rucksack when I go riding because I don't know who I'm going to see. And when I get an opportunity, out comes a Gideon Bible with the Granny's Ring logo on it, the cycling club I'm in. And I give them a Bible. But he started to prompt me again. You need to start carrying them in your coat. Friday coming out of work I talked to this gentleman a few times and he'd expressed interest and he says listen I believe in God I believe in Jesus I said that's fantastic sir and I saw him just as I was coming out on Friday came over to him started talking to him and um, I just gave him that simple invitation again I said oh sir I said you know Jesus loves you so much and I explained to him the good news very, very simply. And, and he said, I know, I believe it. And then the Holy Spirit just prompted me. He said, go on, give him a Bible. Give him a New Testament. So pulled out a New Testament, explained to him just, you know, the, the table of contents at the beginning of the Gideon's Bible. It's really good because it shows you all different passages of the scripture when you go through troubles in life. Do you know what? There's a, there's a word in the Bible for every trouble in life. There's a word in the Bible, in God's word, for, for every care, that crisis you may ever face. And I began to tell him this, and he was so thankful. That's a seed planted. We've got to be aware of those opportunities. And we've got, to, we've got to gently and graciously communicate the love of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ to a world that feels estranged, disconnected, alone, and abandoned by God. We are his ambassadors to reconnect a disconnected world to their creator. What a joy it was. I'm encouraging you. Maybe to do that. Maybe to think of that. Maybe, or maybe to, you know, just ask the Holy Spirit. He may cause you to do something completely different, but it brings glory to God. 
and it helps others who are around you. Amen? Amen. So let's be aware of those people that are around us that we can bring into this place that can become part of the family of God, not just making a decision, but their lives being discipled. Being discipled. A decision, great. But then their lives being discipled by a loving family of believers in this local church that serve Jesus with their lives. Amen? Amen. Well, a week last Sunday ago, I was talking to you about vision, our vision as a local church. And uh, we've produced this welcome home booklet. It's on your seat. And I know many of you took them home and um, possibly read them. When we gave them out to you, they're on your seat again. And you can take it home today and you can look at it. But really, at the beginning of this booklet, we've outset, we've outlaid our vision as a local church. It's important to us. Among other things, there's lots of other things about the church and about the work that we do and the way that we serve and what we have available for people that come in for the first time and those who have been coming for a long time. It itemizes all of those things, but really at the outset of this booklet is our vision. And it's so important to have a vision, isn't it? It really is. The Bible is a book of vision. It envisions you. It empowers you. It outlays very clearly God's purpose for you that our lives aren't just to, you know, be worked out randomly and haphazardly. But God has a great purpose. God has a great plan. God has a vision for each and every one of our lives. The Bible's a book of vision to envision us. No, there's been times in my life where I haven't had vision. And you know, you understand the importance of vision when you don't have it. Lots of times, physically, my vision has been impaired. Certain times in my life, my vision's been impaired. You know, I, re- I was thinking just about this. And just to make it practical and helpful for us to understand where we're going today. You know, I remember a time when I just passed my test and I had a head-on collision with a parked vehicle and it completely messed my car up. Dave Rose was eating a Peter's pie and chips at the time of collision. You remember it, Dave? Yeah, that's right. He tries to forget it, but every now and again he gets haunted by the memory. And you know what? Like, I remember vividly, you know, going up the street. One minute you got clear vision. One minute you know where you're going. And then all of a sudden there's a a collision with a parked vehicle. And everything goes into chaos. Dave's pie splats across the windscreen. Sprays over both of us. We come to an abrupt stop and we just don't know what's hit us. I get out of the car all panicked and, you know, the, the, the wing on the passenger side is all ripped to pieces and the, the door pillar is crushed and the, the, the roof is caved in on Dave's side. And we're just scratching our head like Laurel and Hardy, thinking, my goodness, what's gone on here? We look a bit like Laurel and Hardy, me and you, Dave. Just wondering what's gone on. But, you know, the wild thing was in that situation, 
I could still drive my car. Even though the windscreen that had been clear now was shattered into thousands of little shards, I could still actually start the car up and drive the vehicle. And I did. I needed to get home. It was too much to actually get it towed home. They wanted like 500 quid. Well, I was only an apprentice fabricator. I couldn't afford 500 quid. I thought, quick, Dave, get the wheel on. I'm driving this thing home. So there I was going up the heads of the valley in this battered old car. The windscreen completely um, shattered. And I'm trying to peer through all of these shards. Do you know what happened? I was waving from one side of the road to the other side of the road because I I literally couldn't see how to go forward in the vehicle that I was driving. In fact, and this is weird, I I was looking more in the rear view mirror because it was clear what was behind me than through what was broken in front of me. And you know, very often it's like that in lives, in our lives. We have this shattered view of our life. And even as a church, we can have a broken picture and a misunderstanding as to why we are here. And we're going along, we're going down life's road, trying to peer through this broken screen that we have, trying to piece it together. But I'm telling you now, when you hold God's Word up, And when you give God's word center place, you're not looking through a broken windscreen. Everything's clear. So you can move forward and you can can have progress and purpose and meaning in your life. And that's why we have set this vision down. That's why we have made it plain and made it simple. So that there's no misunderstanding for why we're here for what we're going to do and what we are always aligning ourselves to in relation to the future and where we're going. I told you of just three simple words that we've chosen to outline our vision. They're the words reach. And we looked at that word reach, reaching one another and the world in which we live. And there's scriptures there that we've substantiated with that word. John chapter 13, 34 to 35 and Mark 16, 15. I won't go through them. You can listen to the word that I spoke a week last Sunday ago. But this word reach is an important word. This word reach, reaching one another. We do that through our connect groups. We do that through the teams in which we're in. Reaching one another. Our lives are in a family, joined together, knit together in God. Reaching one another. But also, we don't want to just be, you know, a little clique and a little club enclosed in four walls. God has a purpose for us. He's not only called us into fellowship to be a family one with another, but he's called us to reach beyond our borders into the world in which we live. And there's scriptures that direct us, guide us, and align us to that purpose. Also, we talked about the word renew. Renew is a word that's important within the vision of our church here, within the family that we have. 
We want to reach one another and the world in which we live, but we want to renew and see a renewing in our lives as we make God's Word center place. Living our new life now in Christ. That's what we want to see happen. That's God's expectation for all of our lives. To see that renewing element of the power of his word in our lives. He doesn't want us continually year after year carrying the same old baggage. Holding and hanging on to the same old burdens. No, God wants to see our lives transformed. And made new as we've seen. All elements of our lives being renewed. And also we looked at the word release. Reach, renew, release. It's simple. It's not hard. Release. Using our lives to be servant-hearted. Do you know Jesus has done so much for us? Jesus has given so much and in response to the wonderful gift of his life to us it's right and appropriate that we in response to that give our life in service to him isn't it it really is and we had the scriptures again to underline that word release Ephesians chapter 2 verse 20 and also 2 Peter 4 10 really explain and fill out what this word means to us practically. You can look at it in this booklet. The scriptures are there. Verse yourself with these words. Verse yourselves with this vision. Because this is what we are about as God's people. Now this morning again I'm just going to return to this verse that I read out a week last Sunday. From Habakkuk chapter 2. Verse 2, let me read it to you again. And then we're going to see how Jesus unpacked this word in his life and in his ministry. And then we're going to encourage ourselves to release our lives to be servant-hearted. That's what this message is about this morning. And that's the emphasis of this meeting this morning. The emphasis is not on the element of reach or renew. The emphasis is on release releasing our lives to be servant-hearted. That's the emphasis of what we're going to be speaking about this morning and we're going to see it in Jesus, the best example to see it in and then I pray we're going to follow that example. Is that okay? Fantastic. Habakkuk 2 verse 2 says this, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Write the vision down, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. We've written it down. We've made it plain. In just those three words, there's nothing sacred about those words. Reach, renew, release. Nothing sacred. They're not biblical words. But the scriptures behind them to substantiate them are sacred. Our directive do need obedience. We've written them down as we have thought about who you are, 
what's coming up out of your heart as a church. We've prayed about it. We've written it down. We've made it plain so that it might be read. And then as it's read, the power of God's Word, the power of the Holy Spirit might make it operable in our lives that we might run to fulfill it. You see, it's wonderful to have a vision that's written down that's theoretical. It's wonderful to have a vision and for us to all read it and quote it, but there's a gap between what's theory and what's practice. We've got to make this thing live. We've got to do this thing. We can't just have it, you know, with nice pictures in a booklet. As good as that might be, the intention is for us to run with it, for us to live it out. Do you know what I love about the New Testament is that you see this over and over again. When Paul the Apostle spoke to King Agrippa and he gave his testimony, he said this, I have not been disobedient to the heavenly vision, O King. I've not been disobedient to the vision that God has given me. He had that vision poured into him on the Damascus road when he met Jesus and then he gave the rest of his life to fulfill that vision. Vision requires obedience. Vision requires submission. Vision requires the entirety of our lives, our passion. That man ran with that vision in his heart to fulfill it and to bring it about. Wonderful. Pastor Ray talked about how Jesus went into that room where the disciples were locked away and he envisioned them. He showed them his wounds. He, he, he attested to the fact that he'd been risen from the dead. And then after that meeting, on a series of more meetings, he began to speak about the commission that he gave them. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. What was he doing? Outlining a vision, speaking a vision. Now that vision could have stayed as theory in the disciples' hearts, but it didn't. Those men and those women decided to use their lives and the rest of it to fulfill what Jesus had spoken to them. He said, go, so we are going to go. We are going to make a physical step towards fulfilling what Jesus has commanded us to do. We are going to do it. Fire came in the upper room to 120 disciples. And then all of a sudden they filled, they spilled out Onto the streets, Peter stands up and begins to preach. What does it say? 3,000 people receive Christ and immediately every single day they begin to fellowship in one another's homes. They're gripped with the passion and the fire of God and the love of God. Jesus had done so much for them. They, there was a re reality not only of his death, burial, but also of his resurrection power in their lives. And they began to meet daily and break bread one with another. What's that? The outworking of vision. And then Luke, because this vision was taking over so much and this vision was moving forward, not just in theory, but in practice, began to write a book called the book of Acts, you see. 
Not the book of good intentions. Not the book of good excuses. Not the book of, well, I might do if I get time sometime. No, the book of Acts. And that book is a catalogue of how men and women acted under the power of the Holy Ghost to fulfill the vision that Jesus had given them as he commissioned them. Even when they were in their weakest moment, Jesus commissioned them. It sank into their heart. It burned with fire of the Holy Ghost and they used the rest of their lives to outwork it. It wasn't just a theory. It wasn't just words written down. They got serious with God. And they began to change cities. They began to change nations. They began to change the whole world. And not just make decisions, but make disciples. Amazing what happens when people get a vision from from God. We've made it plain. We've written it down. So that as we read it, we might run with it. Amen. In Proverbs chapter 29, the Bible says this, Solomon warning about what happens when we don't have a vision, when we don't align our lives to a vision, says this, where there is no vision, the people perish but he that keepeth the law happy is he where there is no vision people perish that's an awful picture when people don't align their lives to the word of God there's a slow decomposing a coming apart of life this is what Solomon is talking about this is the picture a slow erosion of capabilities, of capacities, of gifting. And it's a broken picture, a spiraling down where there's no vision, where the people don't have a collective purpose to give their lives to a God-given vision. There's an erosion. There's poverty. There's breakdown. But consequently, the opposite is true. Where there is vision... People don't perish. People prosper. Your gifts and your capacities and your contribution flourishes and grows and becomes fruitful. And this is the importance of vision. And this is why we've written it down, we've made it plain so that it can be read and reread. And in His time, the Holy Spirit can land on it in our lives so that we can run to fulfill it. Let's just see for a moment how this operated in Jesus' life. Because it's very powerful. Very, very powerful. Jesus was a man of vision. He had a clear purpose, a clear vision. In fact, one of the New Testament writers, many years on, looking back at the purpose of Jesus, said this, for the purpose 
For this purpose was the Son of God manifest. See, there was a purpose to destroy the work of the devil. He knew what purpose he had come to fulfill. On another occasion in Hebrews, the writer looking back said this about Jesus. Lo, I, lo it is written of me in the volume of the book. I have come to do your will, O God. He referred to what was written, to, written about him. He referred to what had been made plain about him in the volume of the book. I've come not to just read about what's written. I've not just come to reference myself in the volume of the book. I have come to do what I read. I have come to do thy will, O God. James, the apostle, let me throw this out. James, the apostle, said, don't just be a hearer of the vision, of the word. Be a doer of it. Because that's where the power is. That's where you begin to flourish. That's where you begin to grow. That's where you begin to see the wonderful fruit that God has for you. Luke chapter 4 shows us that Jesus took hold of God's vision for his life. It had been made plain. It was written down. And he actually read it out. And after he read it out, he said, Today, this is fulfilled in your midst. And every day after that moment in that synagogue in Nazareth, he used all of his energy and all of his life to fulfill what had been written down about his life in the book of Isaiah. These words that we're going to read from Isaiah that Jesus read, that were written down, that were made plain about his life, had been hanging in the balance for th thousands of years before Jesus read them. Before Jesus said, this, this is the day that these words have been fulfilled, nobody had risen up to take hold of them. Nobody had risen up to claim them as their own. They'd been read many times. They'd been referred to many times. Jesus' custom was to go to the synagogue week after week after week, day after day after day. But suddenly, on this day, he stood in the midst of them all and he said, Today, I am bringing closure on this word. Today, in me, all of what I have just read, all of what has been made plain in the vision of the book of Isaiah is fulfilled in your hearing. Then the fun started because everything hit the fan. I'm telling you, Church of God, when you stand up and you say, today is the end of fear. Today is the end of depression. Today, this Word of God that's on that page is no longer going to stay written down. It's no longer just going to be made plain in my, in my hearing. I'm actually going to bring fulfillment to it in my life. I'm telling you, get ready because not only is your life going to be liberated, not only is your life going to go to another level of ministry, but all hell is going to hit the fan telling you let's read it Luke chapter 4 verse 16 to verse 
21. Remembering that Jesus was from Nazareth, the place where nothing good came out of, set up by God perfectly, right, for this moment. Also, just another little bit of information, another beautiful fact. Joseph is just a carpenter. He's just got, you know, a a common trade that people really don't ever, you know, aspire to. And Jesus himself is just a carpenter. I mean, what's a carpenter going to do? A bit like a welder, Neil. What's a welder going to do? What's a carpenter going to do? I'll tell you, a carpenter can do a lot when the Spirit of God lands on him. The Son of God, hidden and shrouded in lowliness, hidden and shrouded in humility, stands up. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He uh, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back. Now that's what people usually did in the synagogue. They got handed the book, They would open the book and turn to the place where they were to read from. And then they would read publicly in front of everybody. Then they would close the book and hand it back and sit down. And that was the routine. That was the tradition. That had been happening and occurring for literally hundreds, if not thousands of years. It was just business as usual. Nobody had any great expectations of any changes occurring that particular day. But when Jesus stood up, oh yeah, he went through the customs, he went through the routine, he went through the usual tradition. There's the book, son, you're just a carpenter, a young upstart. We all know where you're from and who you are. You were brought up here. Give him a go. He seems, you know, a passionate little upstart. Give him a go. So he gets handed the book. And then he opens it. He reads from it. Nothing unusual happening, really. Then he closes it. You know, it's all perfect. It's all going well. He hands it back. And then, like I said, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. He could have said anything. He could have given them a nice 
long, boring sermon, sending them to sleep. He could have given them an exposition and a detail about the Greek and the Hebrew words, the Hebrew words that Isaiah was talking about when he used terms like brokenhearted, captive, poor. Could have used all of those things, but he didn't. He just simply said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And then he quoted to them a very powerful proverb. They grabbed him by the scruff of the neck, drove him out of the temple, and there's a huge chaotic rush towards the cliff where they're going to throw Jesus off and he just turns around and walks through them all because they cannot stand the fact that now he's bringing closure he's not happy with theory he's not happy with formula he's not happy with the fact that it's just written about him in the volume of the book he's come to do what's written he's come to make it happen He's come to live it out, not just speak it, but live it out and do it. They reject him in Nazareth, so he goes to Capernaum. And in the same chapter, he begins to flesh out these very words that he'd just spoken hours before in that synagogue in Nazareth. Listen to Luke chapter 4. Still the same chapter, verse 40 to verse 41. Now he's in Capernaum. They're not rejecting him. They're desperate for somebody just to come into their life and into their community that can not only quote the word, but actually do the word. Make it happen. Make it real. Bring it into being. Not just only have a formula and a vision, but somebody that can actually practice what they're talking about. It says this, He'd been busy all day just doing this, making this happen. And now it was getting late. He didn't clock in at nine in the morning and finish at five. It was overtime all the time for Jesus. I didn't read in the Gospels or in any other book. And Jesus went on holiday to Florida for two weeks. And ministry was a bit hard, so Paul retired to Benidorm on the beach. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a holiday, but when you open the Bible, they weren't checking out. They were checking in every single day to take the kingdom of God into their communities and make the word of God happen. And sometimes it's good to go to the Bible with those eyes on and realize where we are in all of this grand scheme that God has for this city. So anyway, the sun was setting. It was late. And all those who had any Sorry, I, I, you haven't got my glasses for you. I'm struggling to see up here. These were from very expensive, from a pound shop. 
Oh, that's better. When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out, saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. It's awesome. Now, look, it may look very different for you and me. When Jesus read out these words from Isaiah, he was bringing fulfillment to a promise that identified him as the Messiah, okay? It may look very different to us, for us, but listen, we've got to give, we've got to use him as our example because who knows, God might use your hands to heal the sick, to cast out devils, to bring his kingdom into a situation where people are struggling. Who knows what God might do? But we've got to give ourselves to the vision that he's placed in this local church. And as we do, as we do, great things will happen. Now I'm going to bring this to a close here. And I'm so encouraged to be a part of this family. I really am. I am so encouraged. Do you know what? Many of the things that I've spoken about this morning, and please hear me now carefully, many of the things that I've spoken, spoken about this morning, are especially in relation to our vision, right? As a church, reach, renew, release. Many of these aspects are already being fulfilled by us as a church. Do you know what? We have over 140 people, right, that make this vision happen on a weekly basis in this church. 140 people in teams, leading departments, in connect groups, leading connect groups across this city. I think that's a wonderful proportion of our church family. But here's the message today. The message today about fulfilling the vision is not to the 140 who have been zealously running in the work of this ministry for years now. The message today is to those who might not yet have found their place, might not yet have found their place in the family to run and fulfill God's word over them and with us. That's why we've produced these little cards here. They're on your seat. Why don't you take a look at them? It's called Do Something Great. I like that. Do something great. Do something great with your life. Plant it into the house of God. Do something great with your life. Become a part of this body, a member of this body. Finding your place. Do something great. I tell you, you'll never regret it. I came to this church some 28 years ago. And I decided straight away to plug my life into this place. And I've never looked back. Not once. Not always been easy. Not always been plain sailing. 
had its ups and downs. We've all been through things. But you know what? In all honesty, I have never, ever looked back. And I know Faye would say the same. Given my life in simple service, given my life just to join with the family of God, and I didn't do any of what I did and what I've done to be up here. Being up here was the biggest surprise of my life, I can tell you. But you just plug in, playing the guitar, leading in the Sunday school, working in Jesus Cares and Caring Hands and out on the outreach team. It's just a joy to use my life practically, actively, to fulfill the words of the vision. Because I don't want it to just be theory in my life. I want it to be practice, and I know you do too. But you may be here today, and you know what? You've only been coming for a few months, or you might have been coming for a year or two, and you, you think, well, do you know what? I've settled in now. I've rooted down. Now's the time. The vision's been made plain. I've read it. And I can use my life to, to, to lock in and connect. I tell you something now. You will receive, I promise you, I promise you, you will receive far more than what you give. You will. By, through the friendship and the fellowship and just the joy of serving. So listen, have a look at this card. It says, do something great. And everything I've said this morning is to bring us to this moment to bring you to this moment you can put your name and your telephone number if you are not serving at this moment in time in church don't feel bad about that because I'm giving you steps today simple oh. I'm giving you steps today just simple steps to make that happen your next step can be just simply filling in this card your name telephone number and then there's different areas that you can serve in. I won't go through them. They're on the screen there. Let's move this over. They're on the screen there. You can, you can see those there on the screen. Listen, you can tick one of those boxes. Our promise to you is this. Okay? When you fill in this card, and also let me say this, on the bottom of this card, it says future ideas. Let us know what you have a passion for, and we'll get in touch. So we're not saying that you have to fit within one of these boxes. We're saying that, hey, listen, you may be incredibly gifted, and you may have a, an amazing capacity and capability to start something new. Now, it may take a little time and a little planning and, and the building of a team to get it operational, but let's not just limit ourselves to what we've got here, as good as what they are. You may have something burning in you that can really get up and running. I know Joss, I think it was last year, Joss had a passion just to take people out who were, who were older, who were in our church, who may not be able to get out. She wanted to bring them together and she, she regularly now takes them down to Barry. They have a whale of a time. Fantastic. But we didn't tell Joss to do that. It just rose up in Joss's heart and now she's got it going. And it's such a blessing to the ladies that go, you know, on the trips that Joss provides. They've, they've gone to lots of different places. But listen, why don't you take that? Take it right now, right? If you need a pen, 
We can give you a pen. You can put your hand up. If you want to think about it, there's no pressure, right? There's absolutely no pressure. But it's important as a pastor here that I give you opportunity to serve in the house of God. You read in this, right? Let me just refer to this a little, right? It talks about here that the scriptures are really important, right? This part of our vision, release. Release, using our lives to be servant-hearted. Here's the scriptures, right? Ephesians 2.20, God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here in what he's building. He's using us. Oh, put the visors up. He's using us all, not just one or two. Every one of us are unique. That's the wonderful thing about the church of God is that collectively together we have an incredible strength. Please don't look down on your life. Hold your head up. Hold your head up. Stop looking behind. He's using us all. And we want everybody. I know there's more than 140 people in this family and some maybe through shyness or busyness or being overworked, whatever. You're not utilizing your gifts. He's using us all. But this is the, this is the amazing scripture here. In 1 Peter 4 verse 10, it says this. Listen to this now because God's speaking about you and me. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So on the basis of God's word, there is such a rich resource of gifts, many of them, yes, being utilized, but some of them are being greatly underused. And it's our job, it's our role as leaders here to provide that opportunity. Why don't you fill this out today? Take a moment, maybe after the service, and then you can hand it in. We're going to, yeah, the buckets. Why don't you take a moment right now? I'm going to ask the musicians to come. If you know that this is your local church, this is where you call home, why don't you fill this? You're not involved. Why don't you fill this card out right now? Tick a box. The stewards are going to wait on you, and then you can put your, your leaflet in. Listen, if you feel you want to take it home and think about it, don't feel pressured to put it in the bucket. That's absolutely fine. Pray about it. But I want to encourage you, we're going to be doing this regularly to give you opportunity and a bridge in. Listen, a bridge in to step over so that you can get deeper connected into this place. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray right now. As you're filling in the cards, ticking the boxes, once you've filled in this card, my promise to you is this, right? One of our staff members will contact you. Then one of our staff will meet you. And we will introduce you to the team leader that heads up the team that you want to get involved in or the connect group leader 
that's hosting a connect group. So don't think, you know, you're going to fill this in and then you've got to kind of find your route in. No, we will care for you and make sure that you're looked after, you're trained and mentored in the departments that you're going to join or the connect groups you're in. So we're going to do everything we can, okay, just to make your transition in to the department that you want to join easy. And if you've got any questions, you just come straight back to us. This is easy. We can do this. You come straight back to us. We'll support you. We'll help you. We'll nurture you so that you can thrive in the house of God. That's a promise. Is that okay? Fantastic. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your presence in this place. Lord, I pray for every single person that just wants to take that next step into your house in building your church in this city. I pray that they would know with clarity how you want them to walk and what you want them to do in this place. Lord, I pray, Lord, that that we be able to get them rooted in and strong within the teams and in the connect groups that we have and their lives would flourish. Lord, I thank you for the 140 of us already involved, working. Lord, I pray by your spirit that you'd energize us, strengthen us, and Lord, that we would continually run to fulfill the vision that's been written down, made plain, set out, so that we might walk in it and run in it and fulfill it in Jesus' name. Amen. 